Hey, good to see you. Appreciate you being here uh, today. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we have a gift for you. I'd love to take a free copy of a devotional that I've written, 365 days in here, and I wrote it for one purpose, and that's to give it away to our visitors of our church. And So if you'd like to have one of these, they're back here at the information desk. They're absolutely free for visitors. And even if you've been visiting or been attending for five or six weeks and still haven't grabbed one, go ahead and and grab one there for you. Love for you to take that. We're in a sermon series that we're called Leaving a Legacy. Uh, And you see there they're passing the baton off. And uh, uh, two weeks ago when I was talking about passing the baton a lot, I was making this kind of motion and Kathy Patterson sent me a text message afterwards. She's a track coach at... at, uh, Xenia, and she sent me a tra- text message, and she says the baton is passed overhand. The baton is not passed this way. So I knew I was a track coach once, and I had forgotten that, and that's exactly right. So um, we're just talking about how you leave the legacy, and uh, on this Mother's Day, um, you uh, that are familiar with Scripture may know the verse that I will start with, and if you kind of had to run through your head some verses that maybe I would start with on leaving a legacy. Proverbs 22, verse 6, may come to your mind. And this translation, which is the New uh, International Version, says start. The older translations will say train. Uh, Train up a child in the older translations. Start children off on the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, that verse causes a lot of problems. Because there are some people sitting in this room or listening to me via the live stream that did their dead-level best to raise the child up in the way they should go. And in the end, they did depart from it. It's important to know that Proverbs are not promises. Can I just be an honest preacher today? Proverbs are written as a general rule in the way that life goes. There's just a few Proverbs that I could take out and I feel like I could preach as a promise Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Uh, I can take that as a promise, but we all know the reality of this, even though this is the general way that things go, that when you train up or when you start, starts a fine translation. Uh, another good translation would be dedicate. In fact, the word here that's translated start or train up is used uh, in three other places when you're dedicating a house of the Lord and you dedicate a house of the Lord at the very start of a ministry there. So start is a good translation. Dedicate is a good translation. Train up a child in the way he should go and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs are are general rules about the way life works. You can be an atheist and believe in the book of Proverbs. Not very many verses in the book of Proverbs are spiritual. I've not counted all the verses that I would count as spiritual. Um, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's several verses all through Proverbs about the fear of the Lord. 
But a whole of them are just right down where the rubber meets the road, uh, everyday wisdom in uh, life. And um, this verse is taken spiritually, but I don't necessarily think it was written spiritually. To be quite honest with you, as I've lived with this verse as 26 years as a pastor, I think this is, can be applied spiritually, absolutely. But I'm not sure it's, it's just was written as a spiritual verse, that if you train up your child in a godly way, I'm not sure that was what the writer had in mind. I, I was thinking, um, I, I think that it was just saying, train up a child in the way he should go. And the way he should go, when you best translate that, it is, it is the way the child is bent. The Hebrew word is weird there. It's, 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 it's a word that's used for a twisted branch many times. Raise up a child in the way they're bent. And we know that. Uh, if, if I have a child that is uh, bent toward um, auto mechanics, I am not going to steer him uh, toward being a mechanical engineer. Because if I try to bend him that way, the twig will break. You raise up a child in the way he should go, the way he is bent, the way that his natural individual tendencies are there. Um, if you have a child that's not an athlete and you try to make him go that way, I could tell you stories as a former high school basketball coach, I could tell you stories of parents that were determined to bend their child that way. And you know what? They just weren't bent that way. And, and if you're putting pressure on that child to bend them in a way that they're not naturally bent, then there's a chance for you to discourage and to, to break that twig. And that's actually what the Hebrew is talking about there. I have one son who is who is bent toward computers and music. And uh, as much as I, an old athlete, an old coach, would love to, for him to have been involved with athletics all the way up, it just wasn't bent that way. Christopher's involved with track and running track now, and that's great, but neither one of them had a lot of interest and I had to steer, and Sue had to steer where their interests were. But I've seen, and I've, and I've seen it with men mostly, they were determined to bend them athletically. And I don't think that's good. It's good if that's the way they're bent, and if that's the way their inclinations are, go for it, man. Go for it. But and. In 14 years of high school and college basketball coaching and dealing with kids in that kind of way, I've just saw a lot of parents that I thought it was the ego of the dad that was involved in that. So when I read this verse, I don't read about it a spiritual thing as much as I read about it about know your child's individuality. Know your child's individuality. And raise them up in that way. Now, there is spiritual application to that, of course, of course. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. But it's not the only way this verse goes. Now, if you train up a child in the way it should go, you start a child off in 
the right way, you'd wonder, well, how is it that you do that? And because Proverbs are the way that it is, uh, there's not a lot of context here that says, well, the next few verses tell me how to do that. No, because Proverbs, many times you'll have one verse about something, you'll have another verse about completely, something completely different, and a third verse about compl- something completely different. So there's nothing in the context of this that says, well, obviously, how do I do that? And so you have to go with other areas of Scripture. And one of the best areas to go to is an area I've been to before and I probably will go to again is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, at the end of, of the Pentateuch here, the first five books of the Bible, um, we have a description here about raising children. There are some inferences that we can draw from it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That was just a general greeting that they would make many times in synagogue services. The pastor would come out and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, at a, kind of as a benediction almost every time here uh, at Xenia Naz, I'll say scatter and, uh, uh, gather and scatter in some way. And they would, they would come out, and the, the, the rabbi would come out and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now the teaching, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's where Jesus got what we understand to be the great commandment. Jesus added the word mind to that, and I think that's a really good addition there. Verse 6 says, these commandments, what commandments are we talking about? Well, dutros means two. Second, namos means law. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. The law was given first in Exodus chapter 20. It's repeated again in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomos. So these commandments, these Ten Commandments, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them, the Bible says, upon your children. Next slide for me there, Eric. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And from this five, or five verses here, we can get a little bit about how is it we start the child off right. And starting the child off right is, is, means we just don't do that before the age of 12. Now, I think we all know that, that starting a child off right is a whole lot better than starting, uh, starting it when they're 18 because a whole lot has already been inbred in that child. Now, if you started late, that's okay. You, better, you might as well start it whenever you start it. But the stuff that they get early on is when we have a lot more influence over them than when they get to be young adults and adults. So verse 5 and 6 says, again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and Jesus said strength. These commandments that I give you today are be upon your hearts. First thing I want to tell you is that as you train up a child, it's good to be able to say, well, how do I do that? What strategies do I have to train up the child? What, what books can I read to teach me how to teach these children the right way? And all that's well and good. But what this passage of Scripture says is basically not... not some strategies on how to do that, even though there's nothing wrong with that, this, this passage says you just can't pass on. If we're talking about passing on a legacy, you can't pass on what you don't have. You can't pass on what you don't possess. 
So this is not like, well, we learn these, these little strategies here. And I'm not putting that down. There, there, I'm sure there are, there, are, there are good strategies and there are books that are good and helpful there. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible starts with, on, on a teaching about children, it basically says you cannot pass on something that you don't possess yourself. And, and so the onus that Moses here in Deuteronomy, he puts the onus on us. He doesn't put the onus on my teaching skills or, or how well I can impart some information, even though that's really, really good and important. He puts it on here. Because he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commandments that a day are be upon your hearts. Or to be upon your hearts. We've done children's quizzing in, in the Church of the Nazarene as long as I have been a Nazarene. And I'm sure we'll do it after I've resigned as a pastor. I, we just do that. That's good. But, but every children's quizzing director knows that if it doesn't go any farther than here, it's not helping them. As I've told you a hundred times, this is a really long 18 inches. Now, it's got to start here. I don't think anything can get here unless it starts here. But it's got to become more than just head knowledge, and it's got to be something you possess in the decision-making places in your life. Moms and dads, you can be the, a really great teacher and be able to effectively communicate and do all that, and that's wonderful. But the first thing that Moses says here, speaking the words of the Lord, says you can't pass it on if you don't have it. And that's why he uses the word love. He could have said serve, and I guess that would be a great word. He could have said obey, and I guess that is a great word as well. And probably elsewhere in Scripture we could find verses that say something like that. But he said love. He, 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 he put it in relational terms. What, what you love is not a, 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 is, it does, is not a chore for you. What you love you do so willingly. I told I was at Bethel last week and last Sunday and Sunday night and Monday and preached a little mini revival there for Kyle Lanham. By the way, Kyle Lanham was our youth pastor when I came here eleven or so years ago, and and he's now the head pastor at Bethel, a lead pastor there, doing a great job. They love him to death, and we remember Kyle when he was twenty three and twenty four and a young guy, and he's grown up now and doing a really good job. And we were at, uh, at Bethel last week, and we were talking about that you, what you, you have to have inside of you. You, 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 you. you can't pass it along unless it's become part of you. What you love will naturally come out. Love the Lord your God. Not serve the Lord your God. Not obey the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Man, Mark, how do I get them on my heart? 
I've been doing this for 26 years, Harold, and I don't know a prescription, one ABC, on how you get it in somebody's hearts. It's an act of God's grace as he sees your desire, as he sees your will. I wish there was a one, two, three, go do this and it'll be upon your hearts. It has a whole lot to do with your want to. And when he, when he sees that, when you draw near to God, the Bible says James 4 or something, when you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You want to pass something on? I've said it before. You want to pass on a love? You want to pass on a love for the Buckeyes? And then I guess you need to go to the games, or you need to watch them on TV, or you need to read about them, or you need to have something in your home that says Ohio State Buckeyes, I guess. I mean, <laughs> what you want to pass on, you won't do it unless you possess it. I had somebody tell me one time, I was a young pastor, and they were talking to me about their 18-plus-year-old kids that have, are not walking with the Lord. And the, and the guy, the father, says, well, I don't know what went wrong. What, what, what went wrong. He said, um, I took him to church every Sunday. I'm a pastor. I think going to church is a good thing. But you know what? That's a laughable response. Isn't it, Harold? Am I putting down going to church? No, of course not. But to think that taking him to church and sit through a children's ministry or a youth ministry or sit under my preaching is what's going to do it if they don't see it in the home. And I guess I was a coward at that moment and I probably should have pushed him a little bit on that. But I didn't. I probably cowered a little bit and should have, should have said something, but I didn't know if it would do any good because all their kids were older now. I just came to tell you today, uh, one overarching thing is, is you know, what you, uh, you won't pass on what you, what you don't possess, what you don't have. Scripture continues to say in verse number 7, it says, impress them. We're talking about commandments. Second giving of the law, Deutero, Nama, second giving of the law. Impress these commandments on your children. Now, it's it, this word impress is fascinating. As I went into the Hebrew, it, it, it literally means to sharpen. Uh, other translations will say, teach them diligently. Um, you don't see too much in a a barber shop anymore, but they used to, used to shave you with a, a blade, didn't they, Harold? They used to shave you with a blade. And they'd get that rubber strap out, or leather strap, I assume, of what it made out of, and they'd sharpen that thing. And I notice when people sharpen things, whether it's a razor to shave your beard or whether it's anything, I notice when they sharpen something, they just don't go. And when you sharpen something, you go. That's why the translators say, teach them diligently. You know, one thing I found out about parenting pretty quick is you, you got to tell them more than once. <laughs> Dean, have you found that out yet, buddy? Yes, okay, all right. And there's no sense getting bent out of shape. 
because you've already told them 17 times. It must take 18. Sharpen. It's not a one and done. If I've told him that one time, I've told him a hundred times. I know. Believe me, I know. Sharpen. You don't sharpen anything by going one, two. You sharpen by going over and over and over. Teach them diligently. Teach them diligently. And so I've just written up here, and, and Eric's got it for you. I just said 24-7, man. I mean, it, it can't be just taught its church and not taught at home and it's just gotta you just gotta sharpen that blade man and well Mark I've just told him I know I know you have fruit of the spirit though is patience and what am I gonna do as a parent I'm just gonna throw my hands up because I've told, told Levi that a hundred times and just give up on it or tell him 101. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. They just have to be taught. They don't know. Can I, let me have you an example. Levi's not here, so I'm going to tell it. Levi, Levi's over to Kinsey. So it's Mother's Day, right? So, I, so yesterday I said, where are you going to get your mom for Mother's Day? He goes, when is it? It's tomorrow. What the, I, I got, I'm going out with Alex tonight. Alex is an AI guy that's invested in Levi a little bit. And, and, uh, and I said, I tell you what, when, when you and Alex come home tonight, you have Alex stop by and you get a card. She wants some plants, so let's get her a gift card she can go pick out her own plants because I've lived with her long enough that I shouldn't be picking those out, okay? <laughs> and I said, Levi, I'm going to hide the gift card right under your computer so when you get home tonight, you just take that card and you put the gift card in and you write whatever you want to write. So I got up this morning and lifted up his computer and sure enough, there was a card there with the gift card inside it, and he wrote some pretty appropriate stuff, I thought. But there was no envelope <laughs> or envelope. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. And I said, Levi, where's the envelope? You didn't tell me to get an envelope. And I wanted to get, what kind of fool doesn't get the envelope? <laughs> but I don't know, maybe it's the first time he's ever bought a car. We assume so much with our children, I think, sometimes. He goes, well, Dad, I don't think there was an envelope there. Well, when there's not an envelope there, you get one of the other ones that fit the card, and you get that one. But he never been told that. 
I'm just amazed on how much you have to tell them. I wasn't that way. I'm sure it wasn't that way. <laughs> Teach them diligently, 24-7. As many times as it needs to. It's not one and done. It's not, it's not one and done. Uh, verse 7 says, impress them on your children. Go back there again, Eric, if you would. Impress them on your children. Then it says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up talk about them talk about them what about what mark the commandments this is what it's about impress them talk about them and, and so I've said something like and I've got it up next I said something like what you, what you what you know about and what you love about you talk about it so you can't you can't help but do that Levi will talk to me about music theory like he thinks I'm interested in that. I mean, I don't get it. But that's what he loves. And as a parent, I've got to act like I'm interested in it. You, 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 what you know about and what you talk about, what you love is what you talk about. I've had people say, well, you know, I just, I just can't talk about it really good. You know, I just can't put it into words. I get that. But can I say with all the love in a pastor's heart, you need to get over that. Because what you know about and what you love, you can talk about. Even, no, no matter how clumsily, if that's a word, you may do that. The kids know that. Talk about it and talk about it creatively. What, what the verse say, when you, when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you give up, that's pretty much all the time. There should be spiritual communication in the home. Well, how do you do that, Mark? I'm not sure how you do that. It's just, it just kind of comes naturally and it, it, it flows naturally to things and you don't have to work it in. And, and part of that is prayer and part of that is starts with nothing, something as simple as as, as prayer at a meal, but then it goes more than that. There's spiritual communication. There's ways we talk about the things of God. And that, that, that's why, that's why that we have to apologize every now and then because we, when we sin and fall short of the glory of God and we treated our kids in a way we shouldn't have treated our kids and our words were too harsh, that the reason I apologize is, yes, I apologize to them, but also I apologize because... I, I need to confess and I don't want to do it again and there's something between, that's, not, that's far less than being a Christian and when you talk about that, that's spiritual communication. The kids are so much more impressed with you when, you when you apologize about something than they are when they think that you got everything wrapped around your little bitty finger. What you know and what you love, you talk about it. Just Don't tell me that you that you want to Pass on a love for the Buckeyes if you don't ever talk about it in the home. <laughs> Anything like that. Whatever you want to pass on, you talk about it. I'm not talking about 324 hours a day that I have to be, of course not. But I work it in when I lie down and when I get up and when I walk along the way and And let me say one more thing and we're done. The, the passage ends with some really weird words. 
that make no sense to us in 2022. Because tie them, these are the commandments now that we're talking about, them. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's really, that's not 2022 kind of stuff. Now, early Hebrew, I don't, early Hebrew families, biblical Hebrew families back in this day and time, very pious families took that, took that literally. And you can even see today, Orthodox Jews, you know, men wear those hat, black hats, you know, with those brims, and they'll have some things hanging down from that that look like strings or something. That's scripture written on those little pieces of paper. They took this very literally. And I don't think it's much, obviously we're not going to take it literally in 2022. I'm not even sure it was to make it, take it literally then, but it was a way, how can you, the, the translation here is symbols, tie them as symbols. In other places it says signs. So I've taken this and says, as you train up a child in the way he should go, what kind of signs? And I'm not necessarily talking about a five by eight sign in your house, or maybe that's okay. A sign is something visible that prompts belief. Why did Jesus heal people? Why did he turn water into wine? Did he only heal people to make somebody better? Well, I think that was part of it, but he was trying to prompt belief. That he indeed was the Messiah. That's what the miraculous signs were for. And when you see today where there are new works in countries that Christianity has not penetrated you'll see miraculous signs it seems like God does things when he starts a work in a place so what kind of signs and and maybe it maybe it is a little sign in your house or you know we've got those little signs and some of you have those little signs with scripture on it that's okay it's well and good I don't think anybody's going to become a godly person because of those signs but that's okay it's okay it's something visible that prompts belief I, I, I was thinking in, uh, about when our kids were little and we would go to Wisconsin with Sue's family for Christmas and and all of the cousins were little and you know they're all six and seven and, and before we opened the gifts we, we read the Christmas story and all the kids would dress up as a, and they had a role in the Christmas story. And the smallest kid was always baby Jesus. And, and there was a little cradle there. And, and so we, we did all of that. And, and before we opened the presents, and, and, then, and then Grandpa Ewing, Sue's dad, he, he would read the Christmas story as the little kids were dressing up. And, and why did we do that? Did, 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 did Grandma and Grandpa Ewing want to do that just because all of us adults could say, oh, oh. Or was this a sign of what we're doing today and you're getting ready to open these Barbie dolls and it's more about Barbie dolls? This thing is not all about opening these gifts. It's about the gift that was given to us. And so this little sign of, of little kids here being cued and, and working out the manger scene and all of that, that was a sign, hopefully, that prompted belief in what the real thing it is today we're, separate, we're celebrating. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a creative person. Uh, you know, a lot of you all are so much more creative than I am. You can come up with those kind of signs, things that you do as a family that prompts belief. 
things that you do as a family that prompts belief. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this as this is what everybody else should do. I'm, not, I'm just saying this is what the Atherton family does. Um, Sunday's a special day at our home. It's a different day. Um, we're not legalistic about it. Uh, we're going out to eat tonight on, for Mother's Day. But usually we, we don't do that too much. Sometimes we'll stop and get something at Subway or something. But Sunday is a different day. My wife, my wife is... Um, a worker. She gets that from her dad, and she's a list maker, and she's always doing something. Sunday is basically, listen, this is just Sue. I'm not saying everybody's got to be the way. Sunday is the only day she sits down and just watches TV. And I'm not, I'm not saying she's a better Christian because I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying our boys know that Sunday's to be a different day, and we've had to fight that, and we lose that battle sometimes because our boys are in the way of the world, and Sunday just becomes like, We don't want to be legalistic about it. But are there some signs that prompt belief? Tie them as signs from your foreheads. Write them over the doorpost of your house, as the scripture says, as signs that prompt belief. Now, I think if we wanted to talk about ways that we train up children, I think we could talk a lot more than what I've talked, but I've tried to take one passage of Scripture and just basically tell you, what does this passage say? And you could probably come up with some of your own ideas, and they're marvelous, but I don't get paid for teaching you your ideas. I get paid for teaching you God's Word. And God's Word seems to say to love the Lord your God. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. What you, what you want to pass on, you must possess. Impress them. 24-7. Diligently. One time, two times, 27 times. What you know and what you love, you'll talk about Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols or signs, something visible that prompts belief. I'll leave all that up to your creativity. That's a scriptural, scriptural way to try to work out Proverbs 22.6. Do you know that we observe a sign or symbol every single Sunday? And what we do. Obviously, Jesus' death on a cross is, not a, is, is so much infinitely more than a sign. But as we take of the cup and as we take of the bread, that's a sign and a symbol of what Jesus has done for us that is hopefully prompts belief. We, we don't believe, as our Catholic friends do, that somehow magically this, this grape juice turns in the blood of Jesus and somehow that the wafer turns into his body we, we don't go there 
It's a sign. It's a symbol that hopefully prompts belief in what Jesus has done for you. And that's a mar- one of the great ways, reasons that we receive the Lord's Supper every single Sunday. Even though some people think, well, it'd get old if you do it every single Sunday and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I know. But it points you to what this thing is all about. I haven't taught about the cross today. I haven't taught you about the cross. I haven't said anything about the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus. But in a message that says that you can't pass on what you don't possess, you've got to have a possession in you that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all sin. And so I've got, got to make a shortcut at the end of my message to the real deal here, and that's the way we do the table. So our servers are coming to the table, and we're going to do what we do every single week. Some of you will come forward, and some of you will receive in your in the pews. Some of you may want to come to the altar and receive here. That's, that's 100% your choice. But it's a sign of what Jesus has done for you that hopefully prompts belief. Father, you use this time as only you can and you somehow somehow impress upon us the, the, um, what the wafer and what the cup represents in a way that I'm just not smart enough to preach it. By your grace, open our eyes to this and may indeed this be not just a ritual or not just something we do every week. May it be something for all of us, whether we're young or whether we're old, that reminds us of the main deal, the death of Jesus on the cross that cleanses us from sin. Use this time now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.